Hi, and welcome, or welcome back to the Southside Baptist Church podcast. The Psalms are a hymn book of ancient Israel. Jesus and his disciples would have sung them in worship as they traveled the dusty roads of ancient Palestine. Their words were even on the lips of Jesus as he hung on the cross. The lyrics that brought so much encouragement to Jesus continue to inspire his followers today. Join us as we explore a sampling of the Psalms and learn how this ancient hymn book can help us better understand and draw closer to God through worship and the Word. Following this episode, please take a moment and subscribe to this podcast. We hope the following message inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. No one can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond my number. My inequities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you Rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we continue through our Psalm mixtape series today, we are looking at Psalms of Testimony, and uh, that Psalm captures that idea very much. The pastor Kyle Yates said this about the book of Psalms. He said, it is the language of the soul to record its inner longings and yearnings. Isn't that good? 
when you don't have words to describe how your heart feels. The book of Psalms contains language and wording that capture the longings. Uh, Another writer said this, it is the human response to the divine encounter. Every one of the Psalms we read were written by somebody who had had an encounter with God, and this is their effort to capture that in language. And we all know that language is uh, sometimes uh, not enough to capture the feelings of our heart, and certainly if we interact with a holy and righteous God. The book of Psalms was the primary hymn book of the early church, and it certainly was of ancient Israel. It was the hymn book for Jesus. These were the songs that he would have sung. They would have been set to music. And the theologian Paul House said this about this. Uh, book of, of Psalms as a hymn book. He said, worship here has content and it has courage. It is not simply a series of emotional highs and lows. It is emotion to be sure, but it is worship based on truth that makes emotions meaningful and redemptive. The fact that this worship exists at all is a tribute to the courage of people who withstood the wicked had faith in their present crisis and believed in the God who rules and transforms history. Worship sometimes emerges only out of great costs. And so what we find in the book of Psalms is these words of worshipers as they encounter God, as they worship God. These are not the direct words of God to us, although God speaks to us through the book of Psalms, but these are rather words of worshipers to God that then God uses to speak to the rest of us about himself. And we actually have in front of you a book that does the very same thing. So if you will take out this hymnal for me, and if you will open up to page 410 for just a moment, I want you to read these words in hymn 410. This is what The hymn writer says, again, these are people who had encounters with God, and their encounter becomes a tool that we have used to worship. Listen to what Horatio Spafford, the hymn writer, said. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, if we did a survey, many of you would say that's your favorite hymn. Because it has spoken to you, you can relate to this. But what you may not know is the story behind it. That Horatio Spafford actually wrote these words as he's on a ship over their very spot where a ship carrying his wife and four daughters sank and his four daughters died. And as he came out onto the deck of the ship, was overwhelmed with God's presence, he penned these words. This was his response to God in worship. And now we've used it for many, many years as our own reflection of worship back to God. The book of Psalms does this. Let me give you another example. Look at hymn 62 with me for a minute. Hymn 62, this is by the hymn writer Fanny Crosby. And listen to what she says. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Now, that's a nice thought. We can relate to that. You don't need to know anything about Fanny Crosby to relate to that. And, but if you know that Fanny Crosby was blind, it takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? He who would be my guide, all the way my Savior leads me. Listen to these words also by Fanny Crosby. Hymn number 528, if you want to look it up. Listen to what she said. Again, these are the, these are the, the words, the thoughts of people who have encountered God in worship. They're writing this down, and it becomes a tool for worship for us. Listen to what she said in 528. When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. Again, she had been blind her whole life. 
The first face she would see would be the face of Jesus, and she would know him. She would know him right away. Powerful, powerful words. You don't need to know Fanny Crosby's story for those words to be powerful for you. Here's the point. These lyrics were written by specific people with specific circumstances, and and they may be hidden to us. They may be hidden to the people who sing them, but the song still has meaning. They describe something universal that we all can feel. This is what this book of Psalms is all about. The book of Psalms capture this. So Psalm 40 is, in fact, a a psalm written by King David. And in your small group this week, you're going to look at Psalm 34. And both of these psalms are David's response to a time in his life of great trial, great difficulty, but also a time of great deliverance. God had delivered him, and he wrote these psalms down. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to share with you three ideas from these psalms of testimony that are important. And here's why they're so important for us. Because each of us also has a story. Each of us also has, have had encounters with God in difficult times, in good times, and those testimonies, those stories can be used by God in significant ways in the life of other people. So I want to look at the inspiration for the testimony, I want to look at the purpose of the testimony, and I want to look at the result of the testimony. So first, let's look at the inspiration for our testimony. Here's what David said in verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and we all already have a problem, don't we? We just don't like that. We don't want to wait. But throughout the scriptures, we're told over and over again to wait for the Lord. In fact, in the Hebrew, in the original language of this psalm, it says, wait, wait, with exclamation points almost. The idea being, hey, have you ever been with somebody and they're about to leave and you're trying to stop them and you don't say wait just once, but you say, hey, wait, 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 wait. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's talking to himself. He said, I waited, 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 waited. It wasn't just a moment, but it was a long period of time. David is saying, I waited for the Lord. He inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up. Listen to where he came from. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Here's why this is so important. Where was David when he was waiting? He was waiting in the pit of destruction. He was waiting in the miry bog. And that is the place from which our testimony, our story begins. Sometimes it's in the darkest moments of our journey. Sometimes it's in the most difficult days of our lives. Sometimes it is in the darkest places of our soul where God is most glorified in us and when our worship of him is the sweetest. Those times when you just don't know where you're going to go and what you're going to do, when it just looks like there's no help coming on the horizon. It's in those very moments that we find the inspiration for the story as we call out to the Lord and as we, by faith, wait patiently for him. And and here's the question for you. How has God delivered you? How has God delivered you? What was your pit of destruction? What was your miry bog? Maybe, like many in the room, you would say, well, I'm in it right now. Let me tell you about it. And you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know how it's going to come out. But for others of you, your miry bog, your pit of destruction may have been a divorce. It may have been a bankruptcy. It may have been the death of a spouse or a loved one or a child. It it could have been a very difficult time in your life when you just didn't know what you were going to do. We we heard even the sheriff's testimony where that that moment as he's sitting there and that person is dying. That's a miry bog. That's, That's a pit of destruction. And yet it was in that place that God begins to do his work. So how has God 
delivered you. The second thing, the second thing we want to say about our testimonies is we want to look at the purpose of our testimonies. The purpose of our testimony. Look at verse 9 and 10, what the psalmist says. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregations. What what is he saying? The purpose of your testimony is to tell other people what God has done. It's to proclaim the glories of God through his acts of deliverance in your life. Listen to what he says. Uh, If you back up to verse uh, 6 and see what he says. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you do not require. What's he saying? He's saying the, the praise that I desire from you, the purpose of your struggle, the purpose of your testimony is to bring glory to me by proclaiming my goodness and the way I've delivered you to other people. That's the purpose of your story. I don't need your offerings. I don't need your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. I, I mean, those things are great. I gather together and, and sing the songs. But where the praise really comes, where the worship really comes, where the sacrifice and the offering really comes is when you are willing to declare with your own mouth the acts that God has done in your life of deliverance. That's the purpose of our testimony. So let me ask you a second question. Are you bringing God the sacrifice of your praise? When's the last time you told somebody else what God has done? When's the last time you shared with them about your pit of destruction and how God has rescued you from that pit of destruction? Are you bringing a sacrifice of praise to God? And finally, let's look at the result of our testimony. The result of our testimony. Here's what the psalmist says in verse 11. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Now, I highlighted certain words, and did you notice something in common about them? Think back to ninth grade English. What tense are they? Ooh, now we're getting... Sunday morning, summertime. What tense are all those words in? Past, present, or future? Present tense. What does that mean? That David is writing this psalm and he's still in trouble. He's still in the pit of destruction. But what does he know? His experience with God has assured him of God's faithfulness. The reality of his present circumstances do not dictate what he believes about God. He resumes a posture of patiently waiting on the God he knows is going to deliver him and rescue him. Here's why that's so important for you. Remember I asked earlier, made, made the comment earlier that some of you are in the miry bog right now. Here's what you need to do. You need to look back to the last time you were in a miry bog and see how God rescued you then because God hasn't changed. So your testimony is as much about bringing glory to God and encouragement to other people as it is about reminding you that God is bigger than your circumstances, that God is faithful regardless of the situation, and he will deliver you again. The same God who rescued you before is the same God whose arm is still not too short to save you. Testimonies of God's faithfulness in the past give us assurance in our present trials. 
Testimonies of God's faithfulness in the past gives us assurance in our present trials. Some of you know this. Some of you right now know the encouragement you're finding to continue to walk day by day comes because you know the stories of God's faithfulness. Stories from your own life and stories from the life of other people. So here's what we want to do. We want to have a time where we just invite you for just a few minutes to share some of those stories. 30 seconds or less. And this is a big risk on my part, guys. Big risk. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask some of you to share. And you just answer three questions, three sentences, 30 seconds or less. What was your need when you were in the miry bog? How did God respond, and what can we learn about God from your experience? Those are written on your bulletin if you want to be able to look those questions over. And we're going to share communion after we do this, but I happen to know we've got somebody lined up to be first. So if we could, uh, if we could, Laura Miller, I think is going to be first. And if you, anybody else, raise your hand, and Tina will come to you with a microphone. 17 years ago. A court ruling shocked and devastated our family. I needed a fixer. What I really needed was a sustainer and a protector. God responded by bringing women, women of God, to walk beside me, to share their stories, to pray with me and pray with me. God's word guided my path as a light. We got through it with God's help. 17 years ago, I learned God will make a way. Pray for those who hurt you. Memorize God's word and hold it in your heart. Amen. Thank you. So uh, several years went by when uh, I couldn't go a day without drinking alcohol. It literally sustained me, and it was my lifeblood. Um, and it wasn't until I hit my bottom and uh, God kind of gave me a moment of clarity when I realized what my true lifeblood is and who my true lifeblood is and where my true sustenance comes from, which is God and, 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 and the grace of God. Um, so several years later, um, that has proven true, where I realize I can, I can go six and a half years so far without alcohol, but I can't go a day without God. Um, and the fact that he can break that chain gives me hope that he, there's not a single chain that he can't break for me, because that was the biggest chain in my life. So it gives me hope, no matter what is in front of me, knowing that he did that, there's nothing he can't do. Amen. Um, about two months after having our son, I started having um, really scary MS-like symptoms, um, and I really thought that I was going to die or have to live with something really scary my whole life, and um, it takes a long time to find out those results, so for about two months, I was kind of like living with this fear and definitely felt like I was stuck in the, the miry mud and um, reached out to my friend. Kathy here, who just really helped remind me of the truth. Like, even in those situations, the truth of God is, is, is what we can focus on. And I learned that even without having the answers, I can still have joy and that God is still good. And um, came to a point where even if something bad were the result, that I can still have joy in that. Um, 
didn't really get all the answers. It may have just been for that, that I was having those symptoms, but um, that God is still good regardless of what we're going through. Amen. I've been sick for about three years now. Um, And so like Pastor Gary said, (laughs) I'm in the miry bog. And um, I'm reminded every day when I wake up and when I have to walk through life living the way that I do and trying to fight for a normal life of God's words, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So I shall boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. Uh, I have been through, and what you, some of you are going through now, and some of you still will go through, uh, the lust of the flesh and the deceitfulness of riches is very, very real, especially for young people. Uh, it affects your walk with the Lord in a serious, serious way. And um, when my wife and I decided to uh, put Jesus first before anything, um, James 4, 8 says, when I draw close to the Lord, he draws close to me. It's very, very true. What a difference. All of the problems in life, everything that can come has an answer through the Lord. Uh, I was, my mother took me to church. She dragged me to church. I, uh, I was in sight of the Lord, but uh, I was, when I was 33 years old, I was a good husband, uh, a good father. I did all the right things, but I had a short fuse and uh, I got an altercation with four people. And I ended up in the hospital, and the doctor told me I should have died. I knew then I had to change my life uh, and if I was going to raise my family and do as I should. And so I finally did, knew at that point in the hospital that if I didn't change, my life uh, was headed for destruction. And so the next Sunday, I went to church, and uh, I was, uh, uh, came forward and admitted that I was a, a, a sinner and after that, I was baptized the next Sunday, and it's changed my life completely. Amen. Praise the Lord. I was up to four packs of cigarettes a day. I was up about 20 hours a day. That helped that. But I said, Lord, I don't need this anymore. I agree with you that it's sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. I count on you to clean me up. January 1981, it was over with. Okay, having been raised a Catholic, um, I didn't find the Lord Jesus Christ until just before age 52. And all those years that I have been working, 39 years door to door, um, I had a pastor much like you, Pastor Gary, and a church much like this. Um, I unbeknownstly started going to a Baptist church. I wouldn't have gone if I didn't know it was Baptist when I started. But anyway, it was the biggest blessing in my life. But they took four years. They prayed me from 1997 to 2001 into a regular job. It was no longer a commission where I was struggling with money. And not long after that, the person who hired me, they fired her and she left. And not long after that, they brought another manager in who had an assistant manager with her, which is what I was at the time. And apparently their goal was to get me out of there. They put me into a little corner of the um, office They made Juanita, she made Juanita the assistant manager, and she was a manager. Well, 
God had another idea because he brought in a regional team unbeknownst to anybody, and they interviewed those two, and it's a lot more to the story, but those two were fired that day, and they promoted me to manager. <laughs> and um, the rest is history. I moved from there to a job in Raleigh, which brought me here, and I'm eternally grateful to God for every step along the way. The need was a job, and about eight years ago, um, God gave me a job, a, a great job. But more than that, while we were waiting for that to happen and for God to work, our church family came around us and supported us and helped us get there. So not only did God meet a need, but Christians supporting us met that as well. Amen. Here Paul said to the Romans, uh, or to, I'm sorry, Paul said to the Corinthians that we minister out of the grace with which we have been ministered to, uh, meaning that uh, we have been recipients of God's grace in significant ways. And the reason that we've received God's grace is so that we can then turn around and take that same grace and we can share it with other people. And so the purpose of your testimony is to be able to declare to the world the goodness of the God that you serve. So let me just encourage you to not shy away from those opportunities as they come. And if you've seen even today in very real way, uh, it doesn't take long. It can be short. It should be short. And uh, you can share that story of God's goodness. And as you do that, uh, he receives the glory and people's lives can be touched. And you can find the encouragement and the strength that you need. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but if you've lived long enough, the miry pit is always just around the corner. <laughs> It's coming for you again, isn't it? Uh, we live in a world with a lot of miry pits, and we need to be reminded and remind ourselves and remind each other that God is always faithful. Thank you for listening. If you live in the Jacksonville area, we'd love to engage with you during our Wednesday or Sunday gatherings here on campus. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to this podcast and download our free app by searching SSBC Jacks in the App Store or in Google Play. You can get access to our recent messages and keep up with all that's going on here at Southside. For directions, for service times, and information about our wonderful next-gen children environments, please visit us at ssbc.org.